Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. If you are new, if you've been here before, maybe just a time or two, we're in the middle of a series right now um, for men, and it is based on the life of King David from the Old Testament, uh, who started off as a shepherd boy, and through a real crazy turn of events, ends up in the palace, which is kind of a big thing, you know? Um, We've traveled through his life, we've watched how he has stayed faithful as God has um, tested him time and time and time again. I was thinking about something this week. If you remember the life of King Saul, uh, I don't know that we studied that in depth at all, but when King Saul became the king, this is how it went. Alakazam, you're the king. Like that's how it went. And then he just like came in and started off and did a terrible job. And then we get this guy, David, who is a really good dude. And we're like, this one is going to make a great king. You know what we should do? Put his life in a vice grip. That's what we should do. Because that's what God does to people sometimes. Jesus is one of the ones who mentioned it. You know? I mean, this is what happens. He disciplines. And we think discipline like, what did I do wrong? Something happens in our life. What did I do wrong? Hold on, time out. Have you ever gotten better because life was easy? No. Never. Not one time. Were you sitting on a couch, binge watching Blue Bloods on Netflix? No? No Blue Bloods fans? You're lost. (laughs) Eating ice cream and thinking to myself like, you know what? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting stronger. Like, I think my biceps are getting bigger. It's never happened. Never happened. I could go to the gym every day. I could not eat ice cream. I could sit on the couch for five minutes, and I would probably still still get fatter. That's probably what would happen to me. It doesn't happen that way. You get better because of pressure. You get better because of being tested. If life is really easy for you right now, life is really easy for you right now, you probably ought to start asking some questions. If there's nothing in your life that's just got a little tension in it, you probably ought to start asking some questions. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Like, no, life is easy. It's so easy. If it's hard, okay, see, we can work with that. So then we come to the life of King David, and he is now in the palace. Dudes. This is so, so, so important. I wish to, we got speakers outside, but they're not up very loud. I was just standing out there, and so you can't hear them very loud. But I wish we could broadcast this same idea to everybody in our community when it comes to men. There are two words that we're going to talk about today. We're going to, it's just one word. It's one word, but it happens twice inside these, inside these, these passages that defines modern men today. Here's the word. Sat. Sat. S-A-T. Sat. Let's jump into our story. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'll read it to you if you don't have a Bible. There may be one nearby and tucked in a seat. Let me read you these passages. 
After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the enemies around him, he said to Nathan, the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, remains in a tent. You know what's interesting about that? That very first word, after the king has or was settled, the word first happens, sat. Here's the way it translates. The king now sat. Let me ask you something. From the moment we started studying David's life until this moment right here, can you remember one, one portion of his life where he was just satting? Huh? You don't like my grammar? You don't like me making up words? Anytime he was just satting somewhere? No. He was never just satting anywhere. Never. Now he's the king. See, here's what happens with dudes. Once we get on top, time to put your feet up. True. Once I get a little bit of recovery under my belt, time to put my feet up. Right? Once I've done 12-step myself all the way to 30 days or 60 days or a year, time for me to put my feet up. Everything in my house is going good. You know what I should do? I should put my feet up. You should probably pick a different time to put your feet up. Like maybe when you die. Like that'd be a good time to do it. And here's David. Gets in the palace. He has been on the run somewhere between 8 and 15 years from the previous king. And now he is in this place right here. As soon as he gets in the palace, he sits down. You know what I need? What do I need right now? Need it. Oh, that is nice. You know what happens when you get in that position right here? All your brains fall out. <laughs> it's true. It's 100% true. As soon as you get here, all your brains, just, it's just a deal. It's a gravity. It just slides right out. You get it all over your shirt. It's true. It's true. Just slide right out. Why? Because, check this one out. Here's Jared's favorite. Jared's number one favorite. This is my favorite flavor, Baskin-Robbins uh, self-entitlement. It's this one right here. I deserve it. I deserve to sit down and I deserve to put my feet up. Why? Have you seen what I do all week? Oh, so tiring, you know? This and this. Exhausting. I deserve to put my feet up. I think I'll put my feet up. And King David sat. And then all of a sudden, here's what's hilarious. Then he has a really bad idea as soon as he sat down. The two go together. Watch. It'll happen again in a minute. He sits down, and then he has a really bad, a really bad idea. He says, here I am, sitting in the palace, and the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. What am I doing? I should be a better king than this. I should build God something big and pretty that he could live in. first thing we need to understand about learning about our own identity, building our own identity, is this. Know your place. Know your place. Men, can you hear me? Know your place. You did not create the world. You are not going to do something for God to where he's going to be like, are you kidding me right now? That's awesome. It's not going to happen. 
You're not going to put together a shed in your backyard, use it as a prayer closet, and God be like, oh, that's amazing. Great crown molding you put out there. It's not happening. Do you know why? Because God made everything else and you. And now you're going to give him a shed? Super work, King David. Super work. I mean, but I'm living in this beautiful palace. Dudes, we get here. There's a weird thing that happens. And I've, I've experienced this. There's a weird thing that happens. You get these blessings in your life and things look really good. And then all of a sudden there's this little tinge of guilt. Like I should probably do something for God. Like he's been doing good stuff for me. Maybe I should do something for him. You think I should probably do something? Can I tell you something? Don't do it. Whatever it is. Like don't do it. What are you going to do? Like he made constellations. What are you going to do? Like he made a giraffe. Have you ever even seen one in public? I mean, like real, with your real eyes? Like have you? Maybe the zoo? Like he made them, all of them. What are you going to give them? It's interesting. We get in that place. We forget our place. Forget our place in the world. Here's what's funny. Psalm chapter 8. Let me read this to you. Psalm chapter 8. David, David wrote this himself. He may have forgotten. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you care for him you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor you made him ruler over the works of your hands you put everything under his feet all flocks all herds the beasts of the field the birds of the air the fish of the sea all that swim the paths of the seas O oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth I am amazed at my kids, but sometimes their art is crap. I mean, it's true, and you know this is true. Some of you are like, no, it's all beautiful. It's not beautiful. Stop lying. It's not all beautiful. Macaroni glued to a plate. Not that neat, really, you know? You could do that on accident. True? But I'm amazed at my kids. And they can make me crap at the table all day long and glue stuff to other stuff and bring it to me. I'm amazed with them. How much more is God looking at us going, look, you don't really need to build something or do anything really cool. What I want is just to like be with you. And David sat down in a moment. What he should have been doing is saying, we're here. If you promised me this when I was 15. I remember I got called in from the fields and there was a prophet guy standing there and he poured gooey stuff, oil from a horn and it went all down the sides of my face and he said, I'm going to be the king and I didn't even know what he was talking about. And then I went through so many hard, hard years and then now, here I am, you are good, you are faithful. That's not what happens. He says to Nathan the prophet, you know what, I think... Uh, 
think I want to uh, build God a temple. He can have his own house. God should have his own house. Nathan the prophet, he's a normal spiritual guy, and he says stuff like this, like, well, I mean, hey, whatever you think is good, you should just go ahead and, and then do it. It sounds spiritual. You should do it. And then they all go to bed that night. Nathan's at his house. He's sleeping. God comes to him and speaks to him. <clears throat> yeah? Yes, yes, Lord? Hey, God, tell David that's a crap idea. It doesn't, that's, that's, a, that's a paraphrase. This is a, that's not a, whenever, whenever, <laughs> with any leader before David, have I ever said, well, huh, that's real fair. Everybody else gets a palace, but I don't. Have I ever said that? Nathan's like, I, no, you, you would never say that. You would never say that. He's like, you know what? I've been following Israel. I've been with Israel this whole time. I've been in a tent. I was with them when I wasn't even in a tent, when I was just with them with them. Before I had the Ark of the Co I was with them with them. Do you think I need, think I need a house? Here's what I want you to go tell David. You're not going to build anybody a house. You're not the builder of my house. I will give you somebody from your bloodline, your son, who will build my house, but you will not build my house. In fact, David, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to build your house. Now check this out. There's a holiday coming right around the corner. Not the next one, next one, but the next one, next one. And we start talking about Bethlehem, which is the same place David came from. We start talking about shepherds, which is what David did. And we start talking about lineage. And you know who's in the lineage of the little baby that's born in Bethlehem? Yes, you do. And then God tells David, I will build your house and then all of us are like oh I get it now you're saying a thing then it's kind of coded and you got to have a decoder ring and you got to look at it and that's the only way you can know yeah because we're talking about something else in the future David I'm going to build your house it's a, it's a thing that happens sometimes God's first line right out, right, out of the, right out of the gates in 2 Samuel. I love this. 2 Samuel chapter 7. He says, verse 8. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be the ruler of my people Israel. Don't forget it. Remember when you used to have cuckleberries in your socks? Because you used to watch the sheep all day? I took you from there, and I put you here. Do you think I really need you to build me anything? You know what one of the most intimidating parts of the relationship with God, with the divine is? <clears throat> is that you got nothing he wants. You can do nothing for him. He already did it. It's like, so what's the point? He just wants you. Just you. Yeah, uh, I build better stuff than what I really am on the inside. <laughs> we all do. Here's the difference, though. He loves you. And your macaroni art is crap. And he wants you. And we have to remember our place. Our place is we serve God. We love God. We do not have an obligatory relationship to him. We don't do anything out of guilt. Do you hear it in David's voice? Look at me sitting in this cedar palace. 
while God is in a, what's it sound like? Sounds like guilt. Sounds like guilt. Can I give you just a practical thing real quick? Anytime you get that deal to where you start feeling guilty about something God has done in your life, might I, might I suggest start thanking him for it? Instead of trying to park it behind the house. You know? Or, or hiding it or whatever it is. Begin to think him. When you be like, oh, I don't know. I feel kind of bad. Like my life is really good. How about let's stop with the guilt and let's start thinking him for what he's done in our life. Because he's done some great things in your life. Number one, we've got to know our place. This is part of what builds identity in men. We've got a, we've got a slew of men in our community, in our world, who wander around have no idea who they are. They're super good at Xbox. That's what they're super good at. I mean, knock out Xbox players. I mean, awesome. Do like Call of Duty. Got got. But they're not men. We have guys who know how to, you know, make babies, but we don't really have guys who know how to be dads. There's a difference. And that has a lot to do with identity. Who are we? Who are you? Talking to a buddy of mine yesterday, and he looked at me, and I said something about, I don't remember what the conversation was, something about, well, you know, I mean, over time, it takes us a while to kind of, kind of figure out how we operate. He's like, do we ever really know who we are? And it wasn't just a question like just some philosophical question. You just want to throw it out there. It was a question of, but really, do we? Or is it just this discovery of like, I know this is true of me. I know this is true of me. I know this is true of me. And that journey, on that journey right there, the only place you can learn more about you is in the presence of God. And David is now satting in the palace thinking of ways that he can bless God with something cool he can glue to a plate. God calls us to something different. He calls us to something different. But there's some, must have something, something must have happened in that conversation. Something must have shifted inside of David's being. I see two things that happen right there. Two things that happen. The first one is this. David immediately becomes thankful when he hears this. God steps in, puts him in his place, and then David becomes thankful. Look at chapter 7, the second part of it, starting in verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Oh, now that's different. That's different. Now he's satting before the Lord. That's different. He says to God, who am I, O sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? Do you see the intimacy that is created in this? To where David now takes a step towards God and is like, is this typically how you deal with people? I offer to give you something nice, you refuse it and love me more? Yes, that is the usual way. I'm going to share something with you, and you can despise me for it, or you can decide the same thing for yourself. Um, my wife has specifically told me, don't ever share this publicly, but I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> I feel like I'm God's favorite. 
Not because of anything special, like, you know, but I do. I just feel that way. That's not to say that I don't think he loves you. But like if you were in my shoes, like you would have to just be like, I, you must. I understand what David is saying right here. Is this how you normally deal with people? Because I just see you moving in my life in some ways that I know I don't deserve. I don't deserve this. And you just keep showing up. And I, you must think there's something neat about me or, or really, really broken. You want to you be near? I don't know. But I understand what David's saying. Something happened in this conversation. Then there's something else happened. The second thing that happens in this, once David learned his place, he rolls over into something else. Turn it over into chapter 8. I'm just going to read a few words from chapter 8. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines. Chapter 2, David defeated the Moabites. Chapter 3, David fought Hadadazar, son of Rehoab, king of Zobah, when he went to store, restore his control along the Euphrates River. Verse 4, David captured a thousand of his chariots. Verse 5, um, David struck down 22,000. Verse 6, uh, the Lord gave him victory wherever he went. Verse 11, King David dedicated these articles to the Lord. Verse 12, Edom and Moab and the Ammonites and the Philistines and Amalek. He also dedicated the plunder he had taken from them. Verse 13, and David became famous after he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites. Do you see what just happened here? God stepped into his life and said, listen, you weren't really that good at drafting anyway. How many of you ever took drafting class in school? Do you have drafting? Where you draw these lines on paper and you start learning how to build a, a house or a building or you build some blueprints. And David must not have been real good at drafting because God's like, you're no architect. You're no architect. You're not an architect. Why do you think you're an architect? Now all of a sudden, suddenly you're just an architect? There's another version of this story that unfolds. And it happens in 1 Chronicles. And here's what it says. David is at the end of his life, and he's got Solomon, his son, beside him. And he's about to hand over the kingdom to Solomon. And he begins his speech by saying this, I set out to make a temple for the Lord. But the Lord came and told me, no, for you are a warrior. You have blood on your hands. No, you're a warrior. See, the second thing is this. You've got to figure out your purpose. If you're going to figure out who you are as a whole, your identity, you've got to know your place. And that means that you come below God and you can only figure out your identity in God. The second thing is this. What is it that you do? What is it that you do? What is your purpose? You know what David's is? You just saw it in chapter 8, right? He's Kung Fu master. I mean, he just walloped everybody. As soon as he got done talking to God, God scolds him and says, you're not building the temple. That's a bad idea. You Go do the thing you're supposed to go do. You're a warrior. Go fight. David goes in, pulls his sword, sharpens the son of a gun, and goes and massacres everybody. He goes bananas. Can I tell you a principle that I learned about myself? 
if I don't wake up in the morning and go to war with the stuff that's inside of me and all the distractions of this world, if I don't wake up and go to war, I will sat and get bad ideas. So will you. If I don't wake up and I don't attack what I need to attack in the day, it will cost me. But you know what else will happen? If I wake up and I attack the day, oh my goodness. I'm so productive, I'm good at it too. I mean, I get some stuff done. When I focus and I get to it, it's a world of difference. A world of difference. Here's David hearing God say to him, you're a warrior. Did you forget? Do you remember when you were a kid? You were a shepherd. I called you in. There's an entire army, all of them looking for an opportunity, waiting for somebody else to go fight the giant in the middle. And what did you do? You little rebel rouser, you. What did you do? I pulled a rock out of a fanny pack and I slung it at him with the wrist rocket. Exactly. That's what you do. What do you do? Men, what is the thing you do? You can know that a few different ways. Think number one, you start by asking God, what did you make me for? What did you make me for? There's a verse. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of us don't feel that way. Some of us feel like what we do is we go to a job and we punch a clock and then I don't know about the rest of my life. I'm just like, I don't know, coasting. Or I go home and I get my list from my wife and she tells me what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know what it is that I do. So you need to be talking to God. You need to ask him, what do I do? What, what am I made for? What, is, what do you do with something like this? Do you know like that's one of the hardest questions in the world for me? What sort of... Do you, some of you understand, like, there's a really messed up skill set up, up here that doesn't match very good, right? You can see that from where you sit. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, it's bad, it's bad. It's true. Like, what are you going to use for this? And the Lord's like, you know, I think maybe ministry would be good. <laughs> uh, um, that would be good if I were a pretty decent person, except I'm not, you know? And this is the way that we have to converse with God. Okay, so what did you make me for? The second thing is this. Where do you have the most wins marked out? Where's the most wins? And all the tally marks where you have just won. You just win in this area consistently. You're just good at it. What is the thing that people say to you? You know what? You're so good at that. 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 What is that? Okay, then the next question is, why aren't you chasing that? Are you wasting time not chasing that? Okay, so then let's ask the next question. Why? Because you're scared? <laughs> Boo. Because <laughs> you're scared? Chase that thing. The other one is this. Ask some people around you. Ask some people around you. What's my thing? Do you see? Is there a visible thing that I'm not seeing? Well, this thing's true of you. Are you chasing it? Because when you figure out your purpose, do you know what happens next? Number one, you become very, 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 very thankful. Very thankful. I was sitting in a college class. I went to Ozark Christian College. And again, not a, not a, very, not a very good moral, uh, moral person. 
And I go to Ozark Christian College and everybody there is buttoned down tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, hello everyone. Good to see you. I mean, very, 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 very straight laced. Very straight laced. And I, oh, I was struggling bad. Struggling. I tend to float between the lines on the highway. Um, this is a very, very narrow one-way road. And I go into a class, and this guy is talking, and he's teaching, and he's teaching on the art of homiletics, oratory. This is how you tell a story. This is how you speak. This is how you preach. This is how you give a talk. And as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this guy, I lose time completely completely lose time. I'm locked into every single thing that this guy says. I'm blown away. And inside of me, everything is, you never sit there and you just start hearing something and you're like, that's me. That's me. I'm hearing this thing that is connecting to me. And every single thing he says, I'm losing my mind. Class is over. I just sat there. Well, crap. I'm going to have to be a preacher now. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I was checking boxes and getting credits, going to the next thing. But there is no other option at this point. We will be telling stories the rest of our life. This guy is right. I went up to him afterward and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. Hey, uh, dude, I've never sat in a classroom and learned anything, ever. Period. Ever. Like, I am so locked into everything you just said. Of course, he's looking at me like, super chop, don't you have somewhere to be? You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, it was amazing. That's not to suggest I'm good at it. It's just to suggest, listen. This is what I'm going to be doing, whether I'm doing it here or whether I'm doing it at McDonald's or whether I'm doing it at the convenience store or on the phone. This is what I'm going to be doing. Why? Because I got it. I figured it out. That's the thing. David drew his sword and he went to work and remembered, oh, yeah, I'm pretty freaking good at this. And he worked over the people around him protecting God's people because that was his purpose. Point three. We've got to skip ahead. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. One of the saddest verses in the entire scripture to me is this one right here. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. In the spring, when all the kings go off to war, David stayed home. Did we already learn this once? You know what the word is? Stayed? You know what the word is? Yeah. You know what happens next, right? 
One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was beautiful. It's always the way it goes. David, what are you doing up there? Eh. What are you doing up there? What are you doing up there? Don't you have somewhere to be? I got guys for that. I got people for that. I deserve this. And in the spring, when all the kings went off the war, David sat at home. We don't get the option. Men, we don't get the option. Like anytime we get that option, you know what your proclivity is, don't you? Like you know what your proclivity is, right? If I take a day off, and I don't mean like a day off, day off, but if I take a day off from being aggressive with my life, do you know what happens? Falls apart. The wheels on the bus, they all fall off, all fall off, all fall off. There's no room for it. It's going to happen. It happens to David. Third point is this. Number one, we have to get our, we have to know our place. Second thing, we have to know our purpose. And the third one is this. Dudes, we have to be present. Now. Are you present in your life now? Do you know humans cannot multitask? Scientifically proven. You can keep saying it if you want to, but you can't do it. Do you know texting and driving is the equivalent of being three times over the legal limit? Do you know why? Because you can't multitask. It's impossible. You can do some automatic things in succession. You can do this and 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 take all these steps and you can memorize them. You can do it really good and look like you really know what you're doing. You cannot multitask. You know what that means? God created you this way for one reason, and that is so that you can be hyper-focused on the thing you're supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> and in the spring, when all the kings went off to war, David took a nap on the roof. It all fell apart. Men, we are the watchmen for our families. We are the watchmen. We don't get to take a day off. And I can tell you this, in the days when I have been absolutely amazed at my own destitute heart, they always followed a moment to where I thought, I should probably just sat around a while. I'm not gonna do much today. That's when it all goes south. When I get up and I plan and I get, I get aggressive and I attack it, I'm good. When I say to myself, Jared, be present right now. Be where you're supposed to be right now. Be present. That's when everything changes for me. It's true for you as well. It's an interesting passage I want to share with you, and then we'll close out. Deuteronomy chapter 11, 22 to 24. This verse was spoken from God to Moses as he is bringing the Israelites out of Egypt or out of the wilderness and taking them into the promised land. God makes Moses a promise. He makes him a promise. He also makes the same promise to Joshua after Moses dies. Here's the promise. It, uh, 
Did I tell you the passage? Deuteronomy 11, 22 through 24. If you carefully observe all these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience with Him, to hold fast to Him, excuse me, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Every place you set your foot will be yours. You know what's interesting about that? Is that you don't get it unless you go there. You don't get it unless you go there. You know what's crazy about our world is that you can read a bunch of facts off the internet or you can read a bunch of crap off the internet and you can say they're facts. You could read a bunch of stuff and collect these facts and you can spew them out to all these other people everywhere and you really don't ever ha even have to know it. You don't even have to really know if it's true. You don't ever have to even try it to see if it's right. I was doing some writing. Um, it's, a, it's a weird deal, but I got a, 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 writing, a writing thing to where I was bidding some writing jobs to write for some different people. Do you know what one of the biggest jobs on this network is? Writing Amazon reviews. Let's go ahead and just show by a raise of hand, how many of you have ever read an Amazon review to decide if you wanted to buy a product? They pay people to write those. You know which ones are true? The ones that are like, don't buy it, it's crap. That's it. Those are the true ones. And I never wrote any of those because that's deceitful and I couldn't bring myself to do it. But I was offered so many jobs. Hey, you want to write an Amazon review? On what? This product? Uh, can I try the product? They're like, why do you need to try the product? Because I thought maybe you would want an honest review. I don't. I want a positive review. Wow. So my advice, uh, maybe try it, get a warranty, send it back if you don't like it. Uh, base it on the reviews all the way around. This is the world we live in. It doesn't even have to be real. It doesn't even have to be proven, validated. It doesn't have to. When we take ourselves and we push ourselves out in that place and we actually go there, we go experience it. We immerse ourselves in it. That's when we have something we can stand on and that we can talk about. What God is saying to, to Moses right here is this. I will give you these places, but you have to go there first. Will I have to fight when I get there? More than likely. But you have to go there first. All you have to do is go. All you have to do is take a step and be present right now. Take a step and be present right now. Take a step and be present right now. Because this is the way God has made us to hyper-focus on what it is that we need to right away. That's it. That's how we were created. When we are present in the places that we need to be, knowing our purpose and knowing the people around us are in those places, we can know one more thing for certain. The one more thing we can know is this, that if you are in my life right now and I am right where I'm supposed to be and you are right where you're supposed to be, then you must be the person that I'm supposed to love and I must be the person you're supposed to love. It's a really easy filtering system, isn't it? 
God, how do I be nice to all these people in the world when I don't know who's real and who's not real? Be present in your own life. Know your place. Know your purpose. Be present. And love the people who are inside that circle. It's not hard. Then we can say, yeah, I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. Because now I'm present in my own life.